This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Anif Baharuddin. You're tuned into the show that explores the narratives of historical landmarks and places in the Klang Valley. In this episode, we're going to react to the allocation made for national heritage during the retabling of Budget 2023. Budget 2023 was retabled last week and this time around there were allocations made specifically for national heritage. The Prime Minister has encouraged GLCs and GLICs to participate in efforts to preserve national heritage and this will be done via the formation of the Tabung Warisan Negara or National Heritage Fund which will be led by Hazana National Berhad. The fund will be used to attract private participation in restoring national heritage buildings including the redevelopment of Bangunan Sultan Abdul Samad and Karkosa Suri Negara in collaboration with Think City. Speaking of Think City, they will collaborate with DBKL to inject life in the city via beautification projects. The government is also planning to allocate 50 million ringgit to the states of Melaka and Pulau Pinang to continue to preserve World Heritage Sites recognised by UNESCO. Heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa joins me on the show to react to these allocations made in the budget. Well, let me just work backwards. Huh? 50 million um, to Melaka and Penang uh, for the World Heritage Site of Malacca and Penang. I think I, I'm sure that they are terribly excited about that. Mm. Um, uh, 15 million is much more than they have received uh, in one in any one year. I mean, I'm assuming it's this year that the budget is allocated for. But how long it will stretch for is is uh, you know a question. It's not clear how it's going to be used, but um, I, I'm sure it's it's terribly it's really well received. Yeah, it's been really well received. Mm. And uh, it will be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I, I the last, uh, I think even when Malacca and uh, Georgetown were um, inscribed in two thousand and eight, um, and there was an allocation given at that time um, of twenty million, if I'm not mistaken. So this is much more than that, and uh, so it, it's good to see the recognition there. Um, I just wonder. <laughs> So why only Malacca and Georgetown and why not um, any of the other World Heritage Sites in Malaysia has? Um, I know this is a KL program, but, you know, let's thinking why more generally um, there is on the cultural site, there is the archaeological heritage of Lingong Valley, which was inscribed in 2012. Um, is there or will there be an allocation, an additional allocation for Lingong? Um, there are uh, two natural sites, um, Mount Kinabalu and Gunung Mulu and, and the caves around there. Uh, and, and we know that uh, there are several uh, places that are going for inscription, both natural sites and cultural sites, uh, and how that will play out. Because sometimes when there's allocations given for things which have already happened, um, at this point, I wonder what will be happening in terms of allocations for things which we hope will happen, you know, and that we're anticipating. So in a way, it's kind of like we kind of perhaps the budget really should also be looking at that um, in terms of anticipating uh, what is being thought about. But that that's on the one hand. <clears throat> so that one we move since it's outside of KL. <laughs> The allocation uh, of 20, is it 30 million, isn't it? Um, that is being uh, talked about for some kind of um, increasing the livability and the mm. beautification of uh, Kuala Lumpur. 
And I understand that it has to do with things like, you know, um, housing and, and public, housing public housing and spaces, I understand as well from looking at a statement which uh, Think City put out, um, you know, it, that might include uh, the Dataran Merdeka and public spaces. Um, that would be good to see uh, that the culture and the arts and livability and sustainability, you know, come to the forefront um, related to that and the arts and the creative city, because they're talking about, you know, K- KL as a creative city, mm-hmm. creative and cultural city uh, is the cooperation between um, <clears throat> DBKL and Think City in the recent MOU that they have signed. If I understand correctly, that's what they are focusing on. So uh, culture, creativity, um, is it's great to see it being included in the national in the city agenda, but also the national agenda, obviously. And um, that Kazana National is leading the way in coming up with uh, Tabong Warisan Negara mm. of, I think the English version of the budget mentioned 700 million yeah. as their target um, for the budget, for that for that Tabong, for that fund, right? Uh, and to encourage um, private sector parties, um, to come in and participate in in the funding as well as for the restoration of buildings, and so I just kind of want to focus on 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 this whole business of buildings, right? Mm. Because you know a building is a, a shell almost. I mean, it, it it it's a receptacle within which or and around which things happen, and so. It's not just about restoring a building. It's about how it's being used, who's using it, what it's being used for, how accessible is it to members of the public. And on the private sector part, I will say that, you know, Kazana um, through Yayasan Hasana, private sector uh, organizations, um, and, and okay, these are a lot of them are glicks, right? You're talking about, you know, Maybank Foundation and CIMB Foundation and, and, uh, a lot of these foundations, Asia Foundation. Okay. That's not a glick, but are organizations, are the establishments that are being set up and have been set up that do support, um, the creative and cultural sectors, whether there's enough money, toward it, you know, people always say, oh, 700 million, how much is being allocated this year? Oh, 50 million for, you know, X, Y, or Z, that sort of thing. And 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 I think there was a mention of about 50 million for um, the Sultan Abu Samad building and Carcosa as part of that, that package for the redevelopment and, and the refurbishment and the... Um, of, of these two buildings in 2021 in the budget, it 10 million was mentioned mm. for the redevelopment. And specifically, again, these two buildings were mentioned. And I kind of want to reflect on what happened or question what happened to, it would be interesting yeah, to see what happened with that earlier 10 million funding. How was it used and how different is this funding going to be? How is it going to be used? Um, was it, is it under different hands? I mean, obviously in this particular case, uh, specifically, Kazana was mentioned and Pink City was mentioned. Um, and I think in the early, in the 2021 budget, it was an allocation of that amount. 
uh, was going to be given, one assumed it was going to be given to the Ministry of Culture and Arts and Tourism. Um, I don't know what happened there, but it would kind of like be something that would be worth exploring, don't you think? Maybe, you know, BFM can uh, look into that and look back at that and to see, you know, how how does this um, all fit together? But there is a Tabong Warisan Negara, which um, is uh, set up under under the Jabatan Warisan and it, in the National Heritage Act. There is a there is a fund, a heritage fund, a National Heritage Fund. Um, Balai Negara, for example, they have funds. You know, there are there are other forms of funding and and funds uh, which are tabong, uh, which are have been set up by um federal um government institutions and and quasi government institutions as well and i think that you know the state different states penang has a heritage fund um you know uh yayasan marisan johor get funding um from from the state uh, for their activities um and it almost begs the question as to how are these funds really like who who decides what happens? You know which buildings get uh, restored, and are these buildings the big icons, the beauty queens? You know what happens to maybe something which isn't so recognized as a beauty queen, but may have very very strong um, significance to local communities. Uh, would they be able to tap into the fund? I mean, it would be interesting to see what the detailing of this is, as opposed to just broadly, I think it's a wonderful idea, obviously, that um, heritage buildings are squarely on the map. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it would be kind of interesting to to find out more details. And I'm sh- I hope that, you know, as time goes on, and as the budget becomes clarified and as um, the the way the tabong is going to be run uh, becomes clarified, that, that be, you know, will be something that more, there is more equity and more, well, more transparency. I don't even like those words, transparency, but there is more information that will clarify matters because right now it's almost like, what a great thing, but we don't have details. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right there. And I think uh, maybe we can move on from, I guess, focusing on that to perhaps dissecting a lot more of what you said just now about how um, there are beauty queens, like you said, you know, the terms that you use, beauty queens, uh, uh, that have always been referred to, but what about the others, right? Yeah. How, how do we get, you know, the powers that be to be aware of the other buildings? You know, and not to, and this is in no way trying to diss the importance of bangunan Sultan Abdul Samad and also Kakwasa Sri Negara. I mean, there are icons, right, rightfully so, but yeah, how do we make other buildings more visible to at least get that attention, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, I mean, how? You know, it, it, uh, there is a, a, a daftar warisan kebangsaan, right, mm. um, for bangunan warisan. And on the daftar, on this register, um, you know, there are lots of buildings throughout the country which uh, have been identified as of national importance. Um, 
they are they are in two categories. They're sort of a, a, a the the star, um, which is the Warisan Kebangsaan National Heritage, and then <clears throat> there is the Warisan category, which is the still the star, but maybe um, less of a less less Chinese. Maybe it's not a double star. Maybe it's a single star. You know, Michelin. Uh, if if you go by um, uh, how many stars you have on on your list, on your building. But with um, the, there are many, many buildings on the National Heritage Register, which are Warisan and Warisan Tabangsan. And is that where you start? Because then these are, we are talking about taxpayers' money, we're talking about federal money, if, if it's government, yeah. Um, if it's private sector, well, then that's really very much dictated by whoever wants to fund it themselves and why they want to do that. But I think we really have to start a little bit further back. I think it's not just saying how do we identify them because if you put out a wish list, I'm sure if we put out a list of, um, you know, we start a poll, which building do you think, you know, should be? There will be things which become really very important that put on, that get put up. But the question then is, who owns them? You know, if they're privately owned building, if it, if it's my house that is, you know, um, <clears throat> that I own, um, that is an icon, but it's in private ownership. Uh, is that, you know, one of the buildings which should be promoted and, you know, and, and, and uh, funded, uh, receive money for this? Or, or are we only looking at, at public sector buildings? Um, where do institutional buildings like schools and post offices and community spaces, hospitals, you know, things like that, where do they fit in to the story? And if they're not so beautiful, yeah, you look at the KL Railway Station, it's a wonderful building, it's beautiful. It's, it's you know, people... Look at it, and 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 um, it strikes the imagination, yeah. Um, and then you take a, a a lot of the other smaller, older uh, railway stations around the country. This is before the ETA, before the the double tracking project. But you take these buildings like that, and you look at them, and they're really very modest. But the collective. If you didn't have all the little railway stations and the all the halts, the railway line will only be, you know, from one main town to the other main town. And then what happens in between? Because that really, the story of the railways is about transport. It is about opening land. It is about the economy. It is about so many more things in the country, not just about the building. And so, you know, what do we focus on? And after we have restored the building, I'm sorry to say, that very often we restore something and then a few years later, it is in really quite poor state of dilapidation um, because either it hasn't been maintained well or sometimes, uh, and perhaps even worse, we restore something, but we kind of haven't figured out what we're going to do with it yet. Mm. So we restore it and then it kind of sits vacant for a long time. And when it's vacant, it kind of becomes really quite sad and is neglected and, you know, nobody really quite looks after it and doesn't have a life to it. Mm. Um, so 
with the fund, I hope that within the tabung there will be a clear push, not just to restore buildings, but to think about how um, they are being used, to be very clear about maintenance for future maintenance, because there's no point just spending lots of money and, well, you know, um, throwing it toward a restoration if you kind of can't figure out what you're going to do with it next or who's going to use it and who's going to be able to access it. Because imagine if you were to do a building and you and you spend 30 million on, you know, 50 million, I don't know, on something. And then uh, it is given out um, or is used only for private activities, which means that people can't access it. Uh, if, and, but public funding has gone into its restoration. So I think that a lot of these sort of bits and these kind of details need to be worked out. But, you know, whether who's going to be on the um, the board, um, who will be, the you know, managing the tabong, for example. Um, and is it going to be representative? You talk about inclusive government, you talk about, you know, all, all sorts of things. You know, it, it, is it going to be inclusive of... Uh, not just Kuala Lumpur, just capitals, but elsewhere, smaller towns, smaller provinces, um, you know, and then it goes back to then, you know, my whole question about, I'm great, I think it's beautiful that there's an allocation of 50 million for Malacca and uh, Georgetown, uh, but what about um, Lengong and what about, you know, the smaller towns and everybody, uh, you know, uh, uh, it, it keeps talking and mentioning the fact that you, you read the newspapers and they'll say, oh, Ipoh wants to be World Heritage Site. Uh, Kuala Lumpur thinks that this should be a you know, World Heritage Building and it should be a UNESCO listed. Um, uh, X, Y, and Z, all over the place. Um, so is that what, is that, what are we doing about all of that, all of those other places? And... How do we prioritize? Can you imagine? Because I ask you about your list and you have a set of priorities and I ask, you know, um, your colleague about it. They would probably have a different set of priorities. Mm. Possibly, not probably, but possibly. And you talk to somebody in... Um, and, and because you come from Malacca, for example, I mean, you know, that, that's your hometown. Um, you will think more about Malacca Whereas somebody who comes from Kotobaru might think more about Kotobaru, you know. And so all of this is completely legitimate. Uh, how do you decide? Uh, sometimes you just kind of have to be draconian and say, I'm the boss, I decide. Or <laughs> you're going to take a dartboard and, you know, throw darts and decide where it falls, you know, check where it falls on and then say, okay, let's do this first. I mean, there has to be some kind of guidance. La. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in in the rollout. That was our resident heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa responding to allocation made to heritage sites during the retabling of budget 2023. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharuddin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9.
BFM 89.9 you listening to I Love KL bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city I'm Hanif Baharudin Heritage Conservation Expert Elizabeth Cardosa joins me on the show and we've been responding to budget 2023 and the allocation made for heritage preservation We're going to continue our chat talking about the use case scenario of buildings that are restored Um, let's go on a bit of a tangent. I think based on what you mentioned just now, I, I find it quite interesting that um, you mentioned how you know we have a lot of restoration projects, but sometimes these buildings then you know they were restored, but nothing actually happened to them. Like you know, there's no proper plan <laughs> to actually get them used. I'm quite curious to know whether is this common. You know, has this been happening a lot? You know, when oh, it comes because you've been involved in a lot of restoration <laughs> projects, right? So is this common, and why is there a lack of plan? You know, uh, to actually get these buildings to be used. I don't own them, so I can't say. Um, but is it? Does it happen a lot? I mean, if you take KL, just take KL, um, and um, and you've seen this before um, in terms of what uh, once in a while, right? There will be something popping up in the news. Now. There was a fire at Bangubandaraya, or and um, you know it hasn't been. The old survey office building has been left vacant for a decade or more uh, since the courts moved out. Um, and then what? Uh, you know, um, do you turn? What happens to them? They they are vandalized. Maybe they have just been left. And they, it wasn't that they weren't used before. It wasn't that they weren't restored before. I have, I mean, I'm not going to name buildings, but there certainly are um, many buildings which which people will be familiar with. And, and just to name the Kakosa Srinagara and uh, Sutamba Samad building, if 10 million, which was allocated in 2021, was used, some of it was used toward these buildings, were they used for restoration? Were they used for maintenance? Were they used for promotion? Um and uh, or was it only used for landscaping of the outside? Kakosa Srinagara has been closed for a long time, um, and and to the to the public um, for all sorts of reasons, and there are very good reasons why it's been closed. But you have to really think about, you know, is ten million enough to restore Kakosa? I would say no, definitely not. Um, but if you say, but I only have ten million. Then you kind of have to decide what, which part of it do you want to keep? You know, if that's the only allocation that you can give, because you you need to spread your seven hundred million around. Um, and um, so how how do you deal with that kind of decision as to what is important in terms of prioritizing? I think that that to me is is really quite critical in terms of. The decision making, you know, how do you take this tabung forward? Money is money, and it's great that there's money being allocated toward it. But how is this money going to be used? Who's going to be um, using it for what purpose? You know, toward what buildings? What will happen to the buildings that have been restored? Um, is the tabung going to be able to give a maintenance fund, or are you? going to say that I'm only going to give you money if you can prove that uh, you have a management plan, which includes a, a financial plan, a business plan. Um, and is it 
uh, only going, is it going to be a profit center? Is it going to be a cost center? In some places, will only be cost centers. I mean, you know, when you turn a, a museum, for example, you know, how much profit uh, can you make? Does it have to um, have an annual allocation? Does it need to do fundraising? Or are you always, as the building, dependent upon um, these handouts? Uh, I think we really have to think much more holistically about um, funding structures and financial structures. And um, in this day and age of money crunch, uh, that to be financially more responsible, um, I think, I, I feel anyway, that personal opinion. Yeah. yeah. Should that be the way to go when it comes to working on restoration projects, I suppose, you know, come up with a proposal for, for how you intend to use these buildings after it has been restored so that at least we know that there is a proper plan, you know, moving Actually, forward. you have to come up with, a, you have to know how you're going to use it before you start its restoration. Yeah. Because if you're going to turn, um, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, take them, um, a school or an institutional building and turn it into um, other kinds of use, right? Um, office or, uh, you know, uh, incubator space or something like that. You need to have a school rooms, classrooms will have one set of needs. Mm. Turn it into um, offices or, you know, um, creative spaces. They will have a different set of needs. So if you're going to start off by saying we're going to restore this building, it's my thing is, my question is, perhaps you should start off by saying we are going to restore this building. What are we going to use it for? You know, and then we are going to restore this building so that it meets the new needs. Because nobody's expecting restoration and shouldn't expect restoration to say, oh, you know, in the in the nineteenth century and twentieth century, it was used this way. Um, toilets were like that. Restoration doesn't mean you keep everything in the same way. It's it's not under glass. It's not as a museum. You might want to highlight something, but it's really also about the interpretation, the storytelling that goes along with it. What kinds of um, interpretation do you have? How do you share? Um, the knowledge um, and and the place and its stories with a general public or with its audience, whether it's a general public or a very specific public uh, or, or niche audience, how do you make sure that people uh, who ever are using the building or have the potential to use the building, um, how do you empower them to to own it? You know, to take to take ownership of this because so many times a building is restored and back to your question and then it's immediately neglected because you know nobody kind of knows what to do with it um and then or you you decide after the fact that oh um this was a house. Now we're going to turn it into a, a creative center, right? Uh, oh, so now we have to go in there and do more renovation to fit it out 
as a creative center, or we're going to have this section as F&B. So we're going to need to add a kitchen and we're going to need to add all of these facilities um, after the fact. So you're actually spending more money uh, retrofitting. Um, if you had really planned at the beginning how you were going to use the space or what you're going to use the space for, it takes more time, but I think it's more profitable in the sense of, of more, um, it just, it makes more sense to me anyway, because then you know, and then you plan up ahead, spend more money, more time rather upfront. Um, and the work will proceed because you, you, so many decisions are already made, mm. you know, down the line. And the thing about restoration is, I think we've talked about this before. There are so many, when you do restoration, especially if you're doing it for like grade one national heritage buildings, there are so many, um, I'm not going to say restrictions, but there's so many I, things that you have to think about, you know, in, in terms of there's so, the process is quite um, uh, not intricate. Process is, is very, um, it, it can be quite laborious and, and because you do need to make sure that you restore according to a set of, of principles. Hmm. Um, and these principles are well established and Jabatan Warisan has a list, uh, you know, and they give you guidelines and they tell you you must follow these guidelines. So they, it, isn't, it isn't that you don't know what you're coming into. Um, but it's always good to kind of know ahead of time so that you you don't end up having to double handle or triple handle. Uh, and that's really time-wise and money-wise, you know, human resources, manpower. And actually, if you think about it um, from an environmental point of view, uh, not sustainable, you know, wasteful. Yeah. The thing is, I thought, isn't that the way... Things should generally go anyway. You know, yeah, yeah, you're, sure. You're Things should generally go. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. One would hope, right? <laughs> so, so like I say, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how Kazana and Think City plan to roll this out. Hmm. You know, they have a lot of um, Think City have a lot of international partners uh, that they work with uh, who've had a lot of experience in this, hmm. um, and I think that it would be good to be able to see it being brought home to more of an Asian and a Southeast Asian context as opposed to uh, only looking toward the the developed world. You know, it's done like this in in Europe, in, you know, America, I don't know, you know. Um, what about in Thailand? What about in Indonesia? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, can, can we localize it? Can we bring it back home? Because maybe our values and our approaches um, are slightly different. Um, not entirely. But we still have the same principles um, and the same value system, perhaps. But maybe our methods, our working with an involvement with local communities, um, maybe we need to start including that, you know, them in, in, in and in, uh, including a broader audience in our decision-making process. 
yep. not just making it top down and um, I the boss, I say so, so we do that, which happens, which works as well. It doesn't necessarily, but it doesn't, it doesn't give the community buy-in. You've been tuning in to I Love KL and this week our resident heritage conservation expert Elizabeth Cardosa shared her thoughts on the location made for heritage preservation in budget 2023. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you miss any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl, our app which you can find via Google Play and the App Store and you can also find this podcast and many more on Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Anif Baharuddin and you have been tuning in to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our country. Capital City. Stay safe and join us again next week only on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.